This episode is brought to you in part by our sponsor, Tidal Influence, a Californian ecological consulting firm who proudly supports environmental education and all of the diverse conservation efforts that Pelicanus works to highlight. Visit their website at tidalinfluence.com to learn more about what they do to conserve our coastal resources and how you can get involved. This podcast is sponsored by Project Dragonfly, a master's degree program offered by Miami University dedicated to ecological and social change. Project Dragonfly offers a part-time Master's of Arts in Biology degree focused on conservation or a Master's of Arts in Teaching for teachers. The program is designed for working professionals and can be completed from anywhere in the United States. Learn more at projectdragonfly.miamioh.edu. Hello, and welcome to Pelicanus Deep Dives. Today, we are discussing sea otters and the conservation concept of keystone species as a companion to the Pelicanus interview with Megan Smiley of the Aquarium of the Pacific. Sea otters were hunted to near extinction in the 17 and 1800s during the maritime fur trade. Estimates suggest that there were up to 1 million otters before the fur trade and as little as 100 otters left as a result of the overhunting. Their furs were some of the most sought after and profitable since they are thicker than any other mammal with each square inch having 10 times the amount of hair as on a human head. By the mid-1800s, the fur trade was over, but the damage was done. However, this also meant that the sea otters could start to recover and increase their population again. Although this was also slow going since sea otters only have one or two pups at a time. While it is wonderful that we stopped hunting otters and we have more cute sea mammals around, there's a larger benefit as well. Sea otters are what are called a keystone species. A keystone species is a species that is disproportionately important to the health and balance of the ecosystem, often regardless of its population size. These species often perform jobs in the ecosystem that no other species are able to do. They are often, but not always, predators that can have substantial influences on the food web and how the populations of prey organisms are distributed. The term keystone species comes from the importance of the species in the metaphorical structure of the ecosystem. To make the metaphor explicit, we can consider the entire kelp forest ecosystem that exists on the west coast of North America to be a physical structure of different stone components. The fish that live in the kelp, the urchins and other creatures that eat the kelp, the kelp itself, are all stones in the ecosystem structure. In this structure, the sea otter is the stone that would cause the structure to collapse if it were removed, making it the stone that is key for holding the structure together. Generally, the more biodiversity present in an ecosystem, the healthier and more balanced it is. The kelp provide habitat for fish, like the California sheephead, to live in, and predators, like sea lions, to hunt them. Spiny sea urchins get to graze on the kelp, and sea otters absolutely love to munch on the sea urchins. But when there are only a few or no sea otters to eat up the urchins, the urchins are free to eat up all the kelp and remove the habitat for all the other fish, mammals, and crustaceans that live there and need it to survive. This has already happened in some places along the California coast where kelp forests have decreased by 90% or more, and in their place are urchin barrens, places where the seafloor is covered in almost nothing but urchins that have eaten all the kelp. This is an example of a trophic cascade a consequence of changing keystone species populations where changes in the populations at one trophic level or level in the food chain have profound effects on the trophic levels around it. Without the sea otters to keep the urchins in check, the urchins eat all the kelp, removing the habitat for the other animals and drastically reducing the local biodiversity. Another great example of this is the story of reintroduction of wolves to the greater Yellowstone ecosystem. 
check below for a link to, the art, to an article about that story. The good news is that the damage can be reversed and the kelp forest ecosystems can be rebuilt. This is partially since kelp can grow incredibly quickly, up to two feet per day, and sea otters eat up to 30% of their body weight each day since they have a very high metabolism. Now that is roughly equivalent to a human eating 20 to 30 large pizzas per day. And that means that they can eat a lot of urchins. When we return sea otters to the ecosystem, the kelp can regrow quickly and the current urchin barrens can be returned to being kelp forests. The Aquarium of the Pacific is also working on accelerating kelp recovery on the west coast of the US, but that story will come in a later episode. This means that we can directly improve our coastal marine ecosystems by supporting the sea otter populations with programs and initiatives like the Sea Otter Surrogacy Program at the Aquarium of the Pacific in Long Beach. The Aquarium of the Pacific has partnered with the Monterey Bay Aquarium to increase the capacity of the Monterey Bay Aquarium Surrogacy Program so that stranded sea otter pups can learn the skills necessary for survival from their surrogate mothers. These pups can then be successfully returned to the wild where they can start snacking on the urchins. If you have not already, go watch the Pelicanus interview with Megan Smiley on the Sea Otter Program at the Aquarium of the Pacific to learn more about these adorable mammals and how you can help them thrive. And with that, thank you for joining me on this deep dive. I'll see you next time.